You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the Women's Hope Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Marcy Farrell. Marcy is the founder of the Thankful Homemaker website and blog, and she also has a podcast. Marcy, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I am doing so good, Kim and Shelby. It's so good to be here with you both. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. You're your podcast is one of my personal favorites that I glean and learn so much from. So it's a huge blessing for me to be here with you two today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we. I, I've just been very excited this whole week, uh, <laughs> wanting to, been praying for you over the weekend and just really looking forward to getting to know you better. Oh, same here, Shelby. Thank you. So ladies, as I was preparing for this topic, I just kept thinking to myself, we have to interview Marcy because she is literally the thankful homemaker. And I really appreciate you graciously accepting Marcy. So thank you very, very much. Oh, you're so welcome, Kim. It's more of a blessing for me to be here. Well, I'm really excited for our listeners. Um, quite honestly, most of our listeners have probably come from you because you are a big supporter and promoter of the Women's Hope podcast. But I do want to let the women know a little bit about Marcy. So Marcy, you are the thankful homemaker. You are a full-time homemaker. You've been married to Doug for over 33 years. Is that right? Actually, it's over 34, and we're going to be 35 next week on the, yeah, well, we're March 29th, so. Congratulations. I'm 35 this year. Awesome. Yeah, we're 35 in May, so you and I are neck and neck there. That's awesome. You have two children, and you have three adorable grandchildren. You were saved in your 30s. You are an avid reader. And you love to share all the things that you are reading. You also love to study God's Word, and you love to serve in your local church alongside Doug. And like myself, you are a tad bit of a coffee snob. (laughs) (laughs) You bring your coffee from Italy, just like I do. So, (laughs) you know, go big or go home, right? Yes, that's what I believe too, Kim. (laughs) Yeah, if you're going to do it, do it well. So you can find a wealth of Christ-centered encouragement on Marcy's website. And like I said, it's called The Thankful Homemaker. You can find her on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Marcy also has a podcast, and you also belong to the Biblical and Reformed Network, like we do. So we have that connection as well, and you've really been a a blessing to the network because you have such great organization skills. Mm -hmm. 
So Marcy, before I let you run with this valuable topic, all three of us are going to be speaking at an online conference. And so I thought since we're all three here together, why not plug it? It's open hearts in a closed world and it's July 12th through the 16th. And you can follow Open Hearts in a Closed World on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, The conference is going to be streamed on American Gospel TV, and the music is going to be led by City of Light. So I'm personally excited about this. And I'm really looking forward to the lineup of women who are speaking, which you are one. So I'm really happy that we get to be involved in that little project together. We're thankful for Brooke, who has set that all up. But let's get back to being the thankful homemaker. How did you get started in this valuable ministry to women? You know, it really started with my daughter, which is interesting. So my daughter, Amber, and I, are we're very close. And when Amber got married, she moved to Norway. Okay, that like that's really hard on a mama's heart. So <laughs> the day after their wedding, they moved to Norway, her and her husband. And from afar, my Amber did some blogging, and then she would do some vlogging. And she really encouraged me to start a blog in the spirit of Titus 2, just really sharing what the Lord is teaching me, that I would just write and share what I'm reading and learning. So I dabbled in it over the years. I'm not the techiest person. It really takes me a long time to figure things out. Um, But several years ago, I picked it up a little more consistently. And from there, it really just grew from a blog and then to a podcast And now I'm on YouTube. Video's not my favorite to do, so I'm still wrestling through that one. But a lot of our younger generation Mm -hmm. really like YouTube. So I'm working very hard at trying to like it. (laughs) um, But it was really a way for me initially, Kim and Shelby, to share afar with my daughter, really along with whoever else was reading and listening in, to just what it looks like to live out our lives as Christian women in all the various areas we deal with as wives and mothers and homemakers. And I do think about discipleship. It's it's so needed in the lives of our young women. And I know many don't have godly role models in their lives. And my blog, it's not meant to be a replacement. I always want to emphasize this. It's not a replacement for those Titus II relationships. So I'm always continuing to encourage my readers and listeners to seek out and pray for those in-person godly role models in their life if they don't have them. But my main purpose at the blog is to provide what I really like to call gospel-driven encouragement to homemakers. So I would just love them to pop in their headphones while they're doing chores or running errands and even talk through some of the episodes with a friend um, to be reminded. And this is my favorite thing to remind them that their role as a homemaker matters to God and that God's working out his purposes in us in the midst of our ordinary days. Wow, that's really encouraging. I love how there's such a discipleship element to what you do and how wonderful it is because I, like you and Kim, I've been married 35 years with adult children too, and how that can become such a wonderful opportunity with our own married daughters. Um, I just love that. Um, Now, Marcy, over the last couple of months, you know that our podcast has been uh, taking the ladies through Titus 2, 3 to 5 ourselves. And today, uh, we're going to be looking at the portion of Titus 2 where women are commanded, actually, to be uh, keepers of the home and just kind of paraphrasing Paul 
in verses 3 to 4, we're reminded that as older women, we are to instruct the young women to love their husbands, children, to be sensible, pure, kind, subject to their own husband, and also that great exhortation to be workers at home. So I want to give you opportunity to just to take some time to share with us um, biblically what being a worker at home means in context. Yeah, so very simply, just when we look it up, the, the term workers at home, it's the Greek word, and my Greek pronunciation is not great, so give me much grace here, <laughs> but it's oikorgos, and it comes from two words, from oikos, which means home, and then ergo, which means to work. So really simply, it's one who is devoted to home duties or preoccupied with domestic affairs, or as we like to say, a homemaker. And the phrase in the Greek there literally reads that the younger women should be taught to be, quote, home workers. So the idea that this text is pointing to is the woman is caring for the home. She's a good manager of the affairs of her household. Being a worker at home is her ministry. And she's desiring to provide a warm, inviting, comfortable home atmosphere for her family. She's working hard to provide a home that points her family to Christ. And at times, we can tend to hear worker at home, and our mind sometimes automatically goes to just the physical chores, But being a worker at home includes working hard at training up our children in the ways of the Lord. And, you know, as mamas, we really can get to know their hearts a little better and what's going on with them. We want to be able to model Christ to them. We want to model Christ to our husbands. So I think it's also where we show hospitality to those inside and outside the church. And again, with the hope of pointing them to Christ. So basically, if we're wives and mothers— then home, and really Christian women, when I say that, whatever season we find ourselves in, we are workers at home as Christian women, because that Titus 2 passage is talking to Christian women, then home is our primary place of ministry where we're called to serve, and it should be a main focus of our attention. Absolutely, and I heard so many good truths in there. I heard that as older women, we are to teach Uh, the younger women in these ways. I heard a gospel-centered part to that about it's not just about doing chores, but it's about pointing people to Christ and also being a grandmother myself, just just enjoying that idea of uh, my own daughter having this opportunity to, uh, you know, be able to share Mm -hmm. Christ with my grandson. But anyway, um, I just, I really appreciate what you shared. Um, So, Marcy, we also know that there are misconceptions about being a worker at home. Could you maybe share with our listeners what it does not mean? Yeah, Shelby, that's a very good question. So we are all in various seasons of life, and we have various life circumstances. And this text is it's not saying thou shall not work outside the home. But the point here is not that a woman's place is in the home, but her responsibility is for the home. So it doesn't mean a woman can't have employment outside the home. It doesn't mean she never leaves her home. It doesn't mean that her only ministry is to those inside her household. And I just, just elaborating on that a little bit, um, 
I'm not thinking that when the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus that he was thinking of career women necessarily. I, you know, I don't know it was on his mind, but that's my thinking there. But I think sometimes it's where our modern minds tend to go. But him emphasizing there, as we talked a little just at the beginning, how the Greek text literally reads for the younger women to be home workers. And then if we look at this in light of what you guys have already been covering, these earlier verses that you worked through here in this excellent series you're going through on Titus 2, is again, that the older women would be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. You've already worked through much of what they are to teach as we're getting to this point. You already talked about they're to encourage the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, pure. And now we're at working at home. So it seems to bring his emphasis, not so much on the location of the wife's work, but prioritizing, this is key, what the responsibilities of a wife and mother are day to day. So even if this is not this, you know, even it's not this command to to stay home, when we look at it in context, it's clear that the Apostle Paul is laying out for us that even if a woman works outside the home, whether it's in a job or ministry or whatever might take her away from her responsibilities at home, still her top priority must be the welfare of her home and family. And this has to be above any fulfillment she may find outside the home. And I want to share, there's a quote that John MacArthur has, and it's one of my favorites. So I want to share it with us because it's really encouraging and he covers so much here. He said, the home is where a woman provides the expressions of love for her husband and her children. The home is where she leads and guides and teaches and raises the godly generation. The home is where she is protected and secured from other men and potentially wicked relationships and abuses. The home is where she lodges strangers, washes saints' feet, shows hospitality, and devotes herself to every good work. That's her sphere. And whatever of that home and whatever of the goodness of her life she can take outside and not sacrifice the home is between her and the Lord and her husband. And when I went through that, I just think that this is going to flow beautifully with the next part of the verse you're going to work through, because the Apostle Paul is going to urge the young women not only to be busy at home, but to be kind. So a kind heart is going to have compassion and care for others. It's not going to get caught up in the world's thinking that being a keeper of your home is wasting your life, but it will encourage the younger women to have a love for their homes, and that begins with love for God first and foremost, and then that carries over to those in the home. So the the thought there I want to leave us with was kind of that final sentence there from Dr. MacArthur, where he was reminding us that home is our sphere when he said, whatever of the home and whatever of the goodness of her life she can take outside and not sacrifice the home is between her and the Lord and her husband. And I think that's a good area for us as women, whatever that may be, that is taking us outside the home to be conscious of and prayerful of and to work through with the Lord and our husbands. Marcy, you just hit it right where I wanted you to land. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <laughs> I'm very thankful um, just because when we are in God's word, we will be like-minded. And the practical side of that, of it's between the Lord and the wife and the husband to, to make those decisions. And as we submit to our husbands um, and know that we are doing as to the Lord when we do submit to them, then it really will take away a lot of the pressures. So thank you for that. All right. So we know that it is God who is at work in us to both will and work for His good pleasure. So He is using our homes to sanctify us, the Mm -hmm. work that is in our homes to make us more like Christ and to please Him. All believers have the responsibility to work. It is God who is actually energizing our desires as well as our actions. And it's not His will that is based on some whimsy, but rather He is very intentional and purposefully uh, planned for our lives to be ordered in a certain way, in a godly way, in a glorifying way. And so as believers, He wants for us, He longs for us to delight in doing those things that most glorify Him. So as our lives are being a pleasing sacrifice to Him, this includes working at home. So with that being said, what are some hard evaluations, Marcy, as a wife or a mother uh, that they can do in regard to valuing what God values and works in us as being a worker at home? Yeah, just even that question, it just brings to my mind those verses in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, because I always need to be reminded first who I'm working for. So I'm just going to read those. It's And I'm, I'm, I'm an ESV gal here. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, we know all our work is to be done unto the Lord. And I know many times those verses get used a lot of times in regards to employment outside the home. But as a homemaker, the Lord is my employer. So I should desire to do the work He's given me to do as to Him and not to men. And sometimes I wonder how it would change how we see our work in our homes and our attitudes towards our work as we just go about our normal day-to-day tasks. If we would remind ourselves throughout the day that in serving others and caring for our homes and families, it is ultimately the Lord Jesus we are serving because our days are busy as wives and mothers, and there's a lot of items on our ever-growing to-do list. We all know this, and a lot of needs to be met. And if we're going to go about them with a heart that is not focused rightly here, they're going to seem hard and burdensome. We're probably going to find ourselves in that yucky place of grumbling and complaining about things. But our reminder we need to come back to is God ordains our days, and He knows exactly what is needed in each of our lives to mold us more and more into the image of Christ. Nothing is by chance, right? We know this, but by God's good providence at work in our lives. And so often we can get up 
just kind of get caught up in a temporal view and we lose fixing our eyes on the eternal purposes that are being worked out in our lives. And my favorite reminder, again, it's a sent, I love this. It's our homemaking matters because it is how our good God is working out his purposes in our lives amid our ordinary days. And that truth that that we know, we this is a truth we know, we just tend to forget it at times that God ordains our days should help us not to find ourselves comparing our lives against even sometimes we can find ourselves comparing our lives to circumstances and other people's lives because this is a truth that has helped me so often. And if young mamas could grasp this at an early age, I think it would help them. The Lord knows exactly what's needed in my life to make me more like Christ. And the Lord knows just what is needed in each of your lives. And it's different for each of us. So there is no comparison. So we need to get that off the table first and foremost. So if we're in Christ, if we have hearts that have been redeemed and renewed by the work of the Spirit within us, then they've been filled by the love of Christ. And we should do these tasks. This should make our heart attitude change instantly because of Christ at work in us and remembering what He did for us, right? We should do them with great joy, knowing that it's our good God who has given us these homes and families to take care of. So my end thought there to that is Christ's love within us should make sacrifice easy and truly a delight. Yeah. I really appreciate your God-centeredness, and I also appreciate how you're reminding all of us that we live out of a—we live in light of the gospel. Um, and I think what happens is when we start thinking through um, what motivates us, we want it to be based on a worship of Christ, and you just so beautifully um, express that to us today. And it gets away from the self-focus and what you were talking about in terms of like comparing and things like that. We want this to be, our homemaking should be um, an opportunity to be a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And so I appreciate that. And thank you for reminding us of that. Um, one other observation that we've made, Kim and I, have we, as we've been studying the book of Titus, is there is a theme that we see um, in Titus, which is one of order. Um, for example, Paul mentions that in chapter 1 um, when he um, um, talks to Titus about uh, leaving him there in Crete to set an order or to set right uh, that mm -hmm. what remains. And part of that order for him was to appoint elders. We know that. Um, but another part of setting things in order or setting things right was for Titus to speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine and we know that he was um, focused on five groups of people within the body of Christ there. And they, you know, older women, older men, younger women, younger men, and bond slaves, and so forth. Um, but with respect to the older women, um, they really were called upon to set things right, including taking their responsibility serious um, as a homemaker, I would say, and then also teaching younger women in the church by encouraging them to be righteous. Um, including um, being workers at home. So I, I, we very clearly see that there's a broad order that's mentioned. But what about just order at the practical lever, level in a woman's home? Why would that be important within our own homes? And what would be a few tips that maybe you could share with our women on just practically taking an ordered heart into uh, one's home, to their family, or even their housemates? 
Yeah. So I, I think about when you say the word order, we know in our minds, the opposite of order is chaos. So right. <laughs> and chaos, yeah, that's that's a pretty vivid picture there, because I think of chaos as complete disorder and confusion. So we, as you went through even Titus, obviously there's order and structure and our God is a God of order and not chaos. So as keepers of our homes or workers at home, we shouldn't desire to live lives of chaos and disorder. And it all begins where we've been working through here in our hearts. So when we just even think practically here, everything that we do, any project we take on, it has steps to complete it. There's order in everything. God has laid out in his word, how we're to live within our marriages and families. And there's order in how our churches function and God's ways always work best. So I, I think about things like even when we think about how the universe is designed to the design of our human body, to how time is designed to function in an orderly manner, we see from creation that we serve a God of order. So even I think our perfect orderly creator God sent his son, Jesus Christ at the exact right time. So just coming to that, since our God is a God of order, we should be too. And he created us to think in orderly ways. And the more we learn about who he is and the more we become like him, the more orderly our lives become. He, he's given us commands to follow and God's laws are not burdensome, but where we find true freedom and abundant life. And in Christ, we are now set apart to live God's way. So to bring this thinking practically home to us, one way we begin to think rightly is to study and know his word. It, it has to begin here. We need to spend time with him. And as we do, our God begins to change our thinking from the inside out. And then as we come to know who God is and then what he desires of us, that changes our priorities. We're going to see changes there. He's going to give us hearts of obedience to his truths as they're revealed to us. So a practically ordered heart is going to be a heart that desires God's best for her home and family. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be more and more evident in her life as she's growing more in godliness. So she's going to respond to others in her home with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If I missed one, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you got him. Yeah. <laughs> and then as we live lives that are Christ-centered, we're going to start thinking through things differently. We're going to be asking ourselves, would this please the Lord? We're, we're going to be more intentional to bring things to Him in prayer as we seek Him before we're making decisions, before we're planning our days, before we're responding to others, especially sometimes when we have difficult things to address with those, maybe within our home, with our husband and children. We're going to be seeking Him to know how to respond in a way that honors Him. We're, we're going to desire to obey His commands out of love for Him. And when I'm reminded again and again, and I'm bringing it back to the gospel, when I'm reminded of what Jesus did for me at Calvary, how can I not desire to do what's pleasing to Him? It should be my greatest joy in this life that I've been given, new life in Christ, to honor the Lord in all things and live a life that's pleasing to Him. So if I'm finding myself serving my family and all of a sudden I'm thinking that this work is like really mundane, I don't see the purpose or value in it. I'm not thinking rightly about God's will for my life. My life is out of order at that moment because he's gifted me with a family to uh, take care of and to love and a home to take care of. 
And I, my husband and I were talking about this the other day. I should really be thankful and I need to give thanks to him in all things. And again, Romans 8, 28 here, knowing that he's working out all things for my good and his glory. So bringing it back, if he's making me more and more like Christ, as I continue, I'm going to continue to die to self and live to him. And Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where it's, it's, the Apostle Paul is reminding us to seek the things that are above, to be heavenly minded, setting our minds on things above. And to have a right perspective is to have a heavenly eternal perspective. And again, we do that by spending time in the Word of God, studying His Word, memorizing, meditating on it, and applying it to our lives. And as we set our minds on things above, it's going to kill sin in our lives. Our thought lives are going to affect our pursuit of holiness. And I, this is my, my I'm on a MacArthur binge lately, so I apologize, but I want to do one more quote from Dr. MacArthur because it was just for me as a homemaker. This is one of those that I, the heavenly mindset is huge for me to help me to have a good ordered perspective in my life. So Dr. MacArthur just even addressing kind of those verses on Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. He just stated to be preoccupied with heaven is to be preoccupied with the one who reigns there and his purposes, plans, provisions, and power. And it's also to view the things, people, and events of this world through his eyes with an eternal perspective. When Christians begin to live in the heavenlies, they will live out their heavenly values in this world to the glory of God. So this is the perspective that we need to have in our homes. This is the way our hearts need to be ordered. This is the thinking that helps us to have priorities and hearts focused on what matters most. We want to know Christ more and more and to make him known. And that's that's key there. Marcy, thank you so much because you had just touched on heaven two questions ago. And I wanted to just thank you for that. And then you just totally brought it to the to proper home, right? Because using our homes um, to prepare for our heavenly home Mm -hmm. is really just such a beautiful thing. And that we can use our homes anticipating our our future host that that we will banquet and feast with for all of eternity and worship. What a perfect picture of using our earthly homes for that. I love that, Kim. That's a reminder I need on a regular basis. So I have one more question for you. We know that Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman was involved in business, but also as she was involved in business, she did not allow her home to suffer. She was compared to a merchant ship bringing home food from afar. Mm-hmm. Uh, She considered a field and would buy it. She sees that her trading is profitable. So she's got a a business mindset, doesn't she? And she makes linen garments. She sells them and she supplies merchants with sashes. So this, this lady had a business. And I think if she would have done really well on Etsy, in the day, you know. <laughs> so when involved in both business and home, uh, I think of single women who are working um, outside of the home and 
also come home to roommates, possibly, um, or someone who is working um, as having a career, but also is caring for their home. Um, we need to guard from our business taking over the primary responsibility of our home. So this could also be any ministry that we have that's outside of our home. As a pastor's wife, right? I could be busy ministering all day and not be be caring for the needs of my home. So we're constantly having to be cautious about that. Ecclesiastes 7.18 says, It is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other, for one who fears God comes forth with both of them. And it's showing, I love this idea, that we need to be wise before the Lord in avoiding extremes uh, as we're accountable to Him for all the things that we do. So we need to wisely balance the responsibilities that God has given us as homemakers. So other than making lists, Marcy, because I know you're a list maker, <laughs> what are some practical ways that one can balance business or ministry outside of the home with our priority of the home? I do need those lists, Kim, especially as I'm aging. Oh, my, my mind sometimes. I'm not sure. I forget. I feel like I forget a thought within 10 seconds after thinking it sometimes. So, yeah, we hear you. <laughs> but I do agree. This can be a really hard balance at times. And to be honest here, it is a struggle for me at times still on some days and in some seasons of my life. But as you're asking this, the way I know best is I'm going to kind of work through how I've done this in my own home. And I'm just going to give an example here. This is not meant to follow, but I, as I always say in my podcast, I love practical and I love examples. So I'm going to start here. Again, not meant to follow, but maybe it sparks some ideas in your mind and some thinking as you're going through it. So I just have a natural bent to get overwhelmed and take on more than I can handle. And my wonderful husband, Douglas, knows pretty quickly when I've done this. <laughs> so um, I have learned over the years, and I am still learning how to keep an eye on this. I, I do keep a calendar, and I prioritize my appointments and activities at the start of a new month. So I'll kind of look over a month. And then every week, I usually sit down on Sunday evenings, and I do this together with my husband, which is a huge blessing because, as I stated, he knows me well, and he knows when I have too much on my list. So my husband and I will sit down, and we'll schedule each month and week together, and then we kind of review our various ministries and activities and engagements, and we kind of determine then, we can pray through which ones are priority, which ones may need to go or get rescheduled. And this isn't always easy because they can all be really good things, right? But I've learned that I can't do everything. And if I have too much going on, I'm probably not going to be doing anything very well or with excellence. So when I'm planning here, things that I'm thinking through when for, for me personally, when I plan are, you know, my time with my family, and that includes my husband and my children and my grandchildren, and um, then my management of my home is a priority. We, my husband and I, we own our own business, and I do have some work that I do for his company. Then there's ministry needs to those within our church, and then neighbors and friends outside of our church. And then I have my work here at the blog and the podcast. And then there's just 
other needs and engagements and appointments that come up depending on the week. And there's just basic things. I mean, I want to make sure that I've menu plan, that we have food to eat, that we have clean clothes to wear, and that our home is it's tidy and in order, not perfect, never talking perfect, but but to have some semblance of order. Because for me personally, I do desire for my home to be a warm, inviting atmosphere, not for just friends and strangers who visit, but also for my own family, the care of them and meeting their needs. It needs to be a priority for me as a keeper of my home. So if I'm finding myself falling behind on the basic upkeep of my home and my poor husband is finding himself way down there on my list of prioritizing time with him, it's time for me to pause and to seek the Lord and just pray and see where do some adjustments need to be made. And and listen, when I'm saying this, I get it. I know there are some just busy days or seasons, but I'm really talking here about our everyday lives. They should not be in chaos every day. So some recommendations, some thoughts I have are take time to pray over your list of to-dos, you know, or your calendar. Start each day when you pray and you're seeking the Lord for, for you know, just your, your daily supplications that you're asking Him for and just in your normal morning prayer time with Him, take time to pray over your day. And then wherever you... Um, However you keep track of your schedule, think all that through. And if you're married, this is a tip that has been great for my husband. I, I really encourage you to sit with your husband if you can and just talk over your week and your, you know, your schedules together. I think that's super helpful. Seek your husband's guidance and input. You're the keeper of your home, but your husband is the head of the household and his input needs to be considered. And it's so helpful. My husband has saved me many a time from overcommitting or giving time to things that really didn't fit in because sometimes we're going so many different directions because we've not taken the time to pray and ponder through what's most important for our family. And you want to not just examine the priorities and values, but what's your heart motivation behind those various activities you and your family are involved in. I know that most of us can find things that we all do that are probably not necessary. There's a lot of good things, like I stated earlier, but we do. But but we want to think through, are they the best things for our family right now in this season of life? Because sometimes there's things in our schedule that need to go. And, and I get it. I The Lord ordains our days. So we need to keep our days with an open hand, right? If he's ordaining my days, things that are happening that I haven't planned or they weren't on my list, but they appeared, they're not interruptions, but that's part of God's design for that particular day. So I need to even see those things with a right heart. That's great. I wish that you were in the room with us so you could have seen <laughs> Kim and I when you uh, first started into your answer. You were talking about, you know, taking on too much and all the different things that we love to do and just kind of thinking through the good, better, best. And she pointed to herself. I pointed to myself. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we get it. Um, but we are so thankful that you reminded us, actually, that our primary ministry is actually our husband. And so how important it is to be able to sit down with him. And I, I know that for our family, I do the same with my husband, because even as a biblical counselor, um, I don't want to say no to anybody, <laughs> right? But he knows my saturation level. And so to be able to sit down even on, on matters of ministry and for him to help me think through the good, better, best, really, and God's best, because there's a lot of good things that we can be involved in. And 
we want to be involved in them all, <laughs> um, but we can't. Um, so thank you for the practical. I, I think that idea of sitting down and going through a calendar with your husband is brilliant. Or if you're single, just sitting down and, and going through your calendar and then following up with a prayer, praying over your day, because like you said, there's all these other things that will come up. So you've got to have flexibility because you just never know what the Lord has for you in a day. Um, one thing that I was uh, thinking through is just, you have already given us uh, some wonderful quotes, but I'm wondering if you might have any more encouraging words or another quote or maybe a verse that you'd like to share with our listeners just to kind of close our time and, you know, with the idea of just pointing them to the joy of caring well for our homes, for uh, the glory of God. Thank you, Shelby. I would love to do that. And I'm really want to leave them with a word that probably any of my listeners are so familiar with, but I just want to share what I try to remind myself and my listeners continually that that we do, we live most of our lives in the ordinary. So it's in the dishes and the laundry and caring for our families where we find ourselves. And these ordinary moments are where our primary ministry takes place. There is no separation in God's word between secular and sacred. If we're in Christ, everything is sacred, including cooking and running errands, cleaning our homes, and changing diapers. So my hope is that we're going to remember that God's higher purposes are being worked out in our seemingly ordinary days. Because your role, ladies, as a worker at home, it matters to God. And you can find contentment and joy in caring for your home and family when you keep your eyes on Christ and His calling for your life. Because our contentment and our homemaking begins with finding our satisfaction in Christ. And my favorite thought to leave us with is how I end every one of my podcasts. I love to say and remind myself, this is a truth my husband tells me. I've heard from him so many times. Jesus is enough always. So ladies, I'm so thankful for time here with you two today. I'm just so grateful. So, and thank you to your listeners for listening today. And we're so grateful for you, Marcy, and how you've just joined us today and mm -hmm. encouraged our hearts today. And if you haven't already, Kim and I would just highly encourage all of our listening audience to visit Marcy's website, which can be found on thethankfulhomemaker.com where you will find gospel-driven encouragement. I love that. I love your tagline. We would also like to thank the Masters University for producing our show today. But before we go, we would like to remind our listening audience about the Women's Hope Scholarship Assistance. Every year we come across young women who have grown up in various hardship situations, sometimes with no family whatsoever, basically on their own, but who have a huge heart to attend the Masters University. Our heart really goes out to these young women. They love the Lord. They're hardworking, but they actually have no resources to speak of. So we want to do all that we can to try and help bring them into the university to receive a Christ-centered, scripture-based education and discipleship that they, they actually have a very strong desire for. So if you would like to support young women coming from these kinds of difficult circumstances, the Founders Fund is a great way to do that. The Founders Fund provides scholarship assistance for new, transferring, and current master's university students. All of the funds are specifically designated to bridge the financial gap for students who have been admitted to the master's university but are unable to enroll because they don't have the financial means to make that happen. So if you would like to support these young women, simply go to womens-hope.com 
womens-hope.masters.edu. That's womens-hope.masters.edu. And you will see a special section to give to the Women's Hope-Founders Fund. This is a great way to help us continue to minister to these young women who love the Master's University. And Kim and I thank you in advance for your consideration. Well, Kim, that closes our time today, and we just want to uh, thank our listening audience and to remind them to follow the Women's Hope podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So until we meet again, we want to um, encourage you to continue treasuring God's Word in your heart, and have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Master's University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Master's University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.